Welcome to Startup Hacks, a We Global podcast. We explore the stories and secret strategies that women entrepreneurs use to save time and money when bootstrapping and building their businesses. I'm your host, Fernanda Carapina, and today I'm excited to welcome Liz Heller. Entrepreneur Liz Heller activates profound, game-changing ideas for companies that matter. As managing partner at Membrane, she is an early-stage investor and advisor, unearthing good ideas and turning them into great ideas, and then bringing them to market. Liz is currently incubating Highly Mobile, a product development company combining science, design, form, and function to enhance and support human mobility for seniors. Welcome, Liz. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Fernanda. It is my pleasure. I'm so glad to have this opportunity to um, steal you away to, to talk about some of your work experience and your stories. I was wondering if we, if you wouldn't mind, if you would give the listeners a little backstory on who Liz is, where you grew up, how you got started in entertainment and music, and give us a little context to, to your life early days as a, as a young kid into professional life. Uh, well, let's see. The first thing I like to say to people is uh, I was born in 90210. Please don't hold it against me. Um, my mother and father actually moved there for the school system, which at the time was one of the number one or two, depending on the year in the country. And they wanted me to be able to uh, you know, have the opportunity for great education. I was also born at UCLA, where I ultimately went to college and graduated from as well. So I'm a real native of Los Angeles uh, in that way. And I am the child of my parents, for sure. My mother was an unbelievably, uh, extraordinarily committed, passionate, real game changer in in the field of social social activism and a real activist across many important issues. One of them was about uh, old age and people who were too young to be treated with the kind of rights that she felt that the Great Panthers, which is one of the the organization, that uh, people who were too young to be uh, thought that they should have rights that they were not. And the same thing with uh, people over 65 should not have to retire if they didn't want and the rights that went along with that. And it took me a long time to realize how many things I'm involved in today came as a direct response, sort of response and inspiration from my mother. Uh, but her mm-hmm. main work was in the field of feminism and and um, and women's rights, and really mm-hmm. all rights, uh, also consumer and environmental rights was very important to her. And she had a doctrine that was kind of her life's work, which was uh, called the committee. Uh, it was called the, um, sorry, oh my God, I just blanked out about the part, the first part of it, the elimination of discrimination against women. And oh, it was wow. a doctrine that was ratified and by the United, by the United Nations. And then oh, oh, it's everywhere, but Afghanistan and the U S and the U S <sighs> was mostly because of the constant change of Congress, I think more than anything else, but she lobbied like crazy. Mm. And Ultimately, it has now been adopted as something called the status of women um, in most cities, um, about 125 of them, uh, I think, at the moment, or maybe more. And it was really uh, her work with a number of incredible uh, women uh, back in the day that started this conversation about that. And uh, it's great to see that it ultimately seeded itself within cities and took hold and uh, has a great impact on, on, on sort of various uh, issues for women in, in cities in America. My father wow. was a personal manager <laughs> and a, a real character, one of the, one of the truly, truly uh, unique spirits uh, on this planet in terms of his just general outlook on life and positive 
optimism and um, he just loved everybody and everything. And he managed uh, many artists, but the one that he was probably uh, the closest and longest term was, well, not the longest term, actually. He managed a group from Las Vegas called the Treneers, which mm. I recently found out that Barry Gordy told me he used to take all the Motown acts there to study the Treneers. And they were mm. a live act and they were a lounge act. Uh, he mm. managed them for 57 years. Wow. And so, but uh, his, his other clients, I mean, he, he managed Ginger Rogers and Debbie Reynolds and big band singers and everybody, but his main client, and his dearest friend was Liberace, who he managed wow. for 39 years. Wow, so what a history. Think, you know, yeah, it was really, it was really, really unique and fun in that way, too, because they just had many adventures. And my father really believed in absolutely, truly, truly, truly believed in everything that my mother stood for. So mm-hmm. if it meant that he had to stay up till two in the morning licking envelopes for some movement and some mailer, he would do it. If he would drive, he would drive her to the post office at three in the morning in order to get the letters out faster, so she could, mm. you know, impact people when there was a timeline or a deadline and things like that. And so wow. I think I really got from both of them just uh, a, a lot of a lot of ideas about what to, you know, sort of how to make things happen and how to really be committed to people, loyalty, trust, um, you know, sort of ingenuity and resourcefulness because. They were always trying to figure out how to make, you know, something happen that hadn't happened yet. Um, and, uh, you know, just and so that so I really believe that I'm a child of my parents. That was kind of really, I think, the point that I was trying to make. And I, uh, I feel lucky to have had both of them in my life for as long as, as they did on both in both cases. They both passed away now. Um, um, so sorry. anyway, so, yeah. But, wow, what, an, I, what, a, think, what a great yeah. mashup. <laughs> <laughs> True. Right? And, yeah. Uh, Yep. No, go I mean, ahead. Both no, had really serious ahead. work ethics as well. No, I was just saying that that was part of how I got started, which was that I always had jobs, and uh, that I even and if I didn't have any, I would make them up. So you know, we had office in my bedroom. You know, lots of different kinds of companies and entities. And I told the story the other day, but when my best friend and I were fifteen, we actually started our very first company. Not for real. This is, but I didn't realize till later it was actually very relevant. But it was called huh. "You'll Be Hearing from Us Inc." Oh, and really? even the t-shirts made and everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, that was because, not to date myself, but at the time, I was uh, one of the first people in Beverly Hills to get what was called a princess phone. And wow. the princess phone was like the one that all, everybody, you know, every picture you've ever seen of like kids in the 60s and the 50s, and they had those sort of fun little kind of oval phones. But mm-hmm. on the princess phone, the thing I was got on the very first day, I should say, was um, something that was called three-way calling. And basically, I could figure out how to call two people at the same time without them knowing by pushing the phone down very quickly. I've never told this story in public. I've just realized that. But uh, anyway, <laughs> you, you get on the thing, and, you, and so we would call somebody. And we'd say, you know, we'd see if they were home. So let's say it was a, a boy and a girl that just broke up, you know, but we, we'd, you know, including boys that had just broken up with my friend, which was the genesis of the company. And we would call up, and, and they would answer the phone, and then we'd hang up, and very quickly, like the Wicked Witch of the Wizard of Oz, we'd go, it will be hearing from us. <laughs> and then we'd <laughs> hang up and quickly call the other person, and then we would conference them together, and they would have these crazy phone calls, because, of course, one, one who was upset with that person thought that the person was calling, and they were trying to make up, and the other one who was dying to hear from that person, or, or you know, it was, it was like, wait a minute, you just called me. And they're like, no, I didn't, you called me. And they would have these crazy conversations. And the way that you got shares in our company was to give us phone numbers. Oh, really? <laughs> so years later, I realized I was, see, I was very entrepreneurial 
even then, even though I didn't realize it. <laughs> but you, anyway, you, I you were starting a... your marketing this. <laughs> exactly. That's so exactly. funny. So did you, were you inspired, were you inspired by, by your dad to pursue music as a career option early on? Um, Yes and no. Um, Yes, because it was something that I spent a lot of time in many summer theaters and many, I mean, I was at the Las Vegas Hilton the night that Elvis opened it. You know, I had, I went, I saw the Beatles at, you know, Hollywood Bowl. My father, when I was eight years old, took me to, to, with four of my friends, well, four total, to the monkeys set, you know, I thought that was like the greatest thing ever. All right. um, a very funny story about that, which I'll tell you another time. <laughs> but, um, and so I think I, I yes, I, I definitely think so. But for me, the other part of that, there was that, was that I really loved being just like my father, which was behind the scenes. I really, I, I, I loved being a part of the experience. I didn't have a desire to be in, in front of, you know, on stage, if you will, in that way. I definitely mm-hmm. got that from my father. The part that was difficult about it was that my father's identity was absolutely tied in many ways to the clients that he managed. And I see that now with, and I see this as a big change for for right now, which I I really think is fantastic. But so my father would be, his name was Seymour Heller. He's a Seymour Heller Liberace's manager. That was his title and that was his identity. And when Liberace passed away, my father suffered from a real identity crisis. But in some, I mean, because he, of course, had been Liberace's manager for 39 years and many other, 40 years, many, many other people. But it didn't change the way that he saw himself. And he had that happen to him. And I really thought about it a lot at the time and tried to sort of make him feel better, you know. And, and, and as daughters do when they adore their fathers especially. like. And I just, and I thought, I don't really want that to happen to me. Um, I don't really want my identity to be tied to something that that is, is is unless I am comfortable with that. And I've seen this happen a lot with brilliant creatives who then sell their name. For example, Donna Karen or John Hardy or some of these other brands where the name is affiliated to the brand and the person is still very much alive and doing something fabulous still, right? Yeah. In both cases, Donna and John. So I and they, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they were upset about it, but I'm saying I understood how they might feel because. It's a strange thing, right? And then the other, on the other side of it, it's something that you built that's a legacy and you could be pretty proud of it. But in the service business, it doesn't actually work that way. They were in the sort of brand and pro- products business in that way, you know, in that sense. And, but it is, it, it was sort of something that I thought a lot about when I was starting out in terms of, you know, even my first, all of my first sort of jobs in the record company and all of those first things, it was always your name and then the name of your record company or the name of the company that you worked with. Mm-hmm. And I've seen an evolution in that, and I think it's important. And there's a really uh, powerful book that I read about this. It was written by a friend of mine um, called Make a Name for Yourself. And it's no. about understanding who you are as a brand, and and especially for women. Yeah. And so that was very, you know, sort of uh, another piece of that story. I might be off on a little tangent. I'm sorry. No, I, it's a great tangent. I'm glad you raised it. And that sounds like a really good book. So when you... I'm going to definitely check it out myself. Um, when you started you working, she'd be great for you to have on your show. I would love that. I would love that. Um, and, and I'm really actually, I, when I left just a sidebar note, when I left the entertainment business, I went and had lunch with a, a friend who was a director um, of a very well known TV series. And I was starting out as a writer producer independently after having left a big senior job. And she said, you're going to have to get, 
comfortable now with having a business card on it that with having a business card with a name on it that says I'm nobody because of that whole idea that everyone's um, value is wrapped up with where you work and what your title is. And one of my earlier, um, one of my guests on the show, um, whose name is Joanna Bloor, her, all of her work is all about personal brand and personal value and not basing your value on your historical work, but about the future you. And I think that for Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs in particular, which you are, and you know this all too well, it is so incredibly important to have that depth of confidence and that sense of self and what you bring to the table. And that's not something that historically has been nurtured in uh, gals like us because we kind of grew up in more of the corporate world. And I, it is really encouraging to see young women um, who have a very different mindset and don't have those legacy issues. And um, that's actually some of the work on the We Global side that I'm really encouraged to do. So I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit about your experience then as an entrepreneur and creating your own businesses and, and, and you know, following your bliss. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, I think one thing that I've kind of, and, and I say this, I think it's important to think about it. And, and it, there's no bad answer to what I'm about to say. And either one is okay. But there are there are sort of two kinds of opportunities. You are either an entrepreneur or you are entrepreneurial, and they're not exactly the same. And these are my definitions. I'm not talking about dictionary definitions. But I say that because I, for the first significant portion of my working career life, I was I was working within corporations doing something that had never been done before, which is not easy to do. But if you have an entrepreneurial spirit, it works very well because you sort of are willing to do what it takes and try to, you know, get everybody on board and push the, you know, get the train up the mountain and make it all happen and and to be kind of fearless about it. And so for me, I had an operating principle, which was, well, if anything that I am doing is better than what was being done before, then I will not fail. I cannot fail or you will not fail, I would say to people. And so I would often have positions inside of a corporation that no one else had ever done before. Therefore, of course, I couldn't fail because there was no one that failed before me. And so <laughs> I, I really, and it sounds so silly, but it's true. And so right. I kind of realized after a long time that I, I, was, I was definitely always excited about the idea of being in, you know, doing things that had never been done before. Mm-hmm. But inside of a company, it's really a little bit more of a very different uh, feeling to be entrepreneurial. And I say this to, to a lot of women also because I think, it's okay to be entrepreneurial. In fact, it's quite fabulous. And yeah. so this desire that has come about about becoming and being an entrepreneur is not always the right thing for everybody. It takes a different kind of soul and spirit. And in fact, I still vacillate myself about it constantly, um, mm-hmm. about which things you know do I feel might be better served to be in, a, in, in with an entrepreneurial environment, partnered with, belonging to, you know, in that sense. And other types are more like, okay, I'm you know going to have to go this at least with my myself and whoever else is in my entity at that time. And I, I really believe in partnerships. So it generally isn't as a sole practitioner, sole entrepreneur in that way. Uh, and, and I think both are great, but I think it's great to understand, like, and be honest about maybe who you are. Maybe you really don't want to be an entrepreneur because of mm-hmm. what that takes. You know? Right. And you can still achieve unbelievable greatness in, in, just by looking at it slightly differently. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, I, I look at that. I look at that uh, across a lot of 
uh, you know, even so I'm involved in a lot of act, act, uh, sort of activist movements as well. And we just had a conversation the other day where they kept talking about something in a very, very, very important issue, um, health issue, not social. And they were talking, talking, talking about it as a brand. And I suddenly was like, you know, it's sort of similar. I was like, you know what? This is really a movement. This is mm-hmm. an opportunity to save lives, right? So let's call, let's look at it for what we want to accomplish, not for what we think it should be called. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. So as you have um, stepped into kind of entrepreneurial life on on a lot of different uh, tracks, your most recent company that you are focused on, I'm sure there's probably others. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about what drew you to be focused um, in the senior area? Was it some of the work that your mom had done in the past, or is this something you've always been passionate about? So actually, I, it, it's ironic that you asked me about my family, where we are talking about them first, is that it's actually, it came about more from my father. And oh. it was not until about a year or two ago, I thought, oh, my gosh, Grey Panthers. What was I thinking? Of course. But mm-hmm. it really came from, uh, and I don't know, various, so some people this will be about their grandparents and some people will be, you know, about their parents and some people about themselves. And, but I went with my my father one day to something and, and it was, and he sort of had like a, like a shakiness and he started to need uh, a walker. And my father had been a, a, in fact, my grandmother's recipe is on the, is the recipe for lima bean soup at the most famous deli in Beverly Hills called Nate and Al. And my father would go there every day and see his friends like Lou Wasserman and all these people that he had grown up with and literally in Ohio and they'd all moved out and other people. And he had a tremendous amount of pride. I didn't quite realize all of this until that very day. And he was absolutely beside himself that he was going to have to walk into Nate and Al's with this walker. Mm. And I just, you know, thought that's I've got to think about this. I've got to think about this. So I went out to sort of find out if I could find a better walker, like something mm-hmm. that was maybe not so obvious with the tennis balls on the bottom. And, the, you know, <laughs> right. and I started looking around and I went to drugstores and I went to, you know, all these stores and nobody had anything. And if you ever go to a store for those kinds of products, it's usually still to this day, very depressing. Yeah. Um, very kind of unkempt. There's no instructions. There's no informative. It's not, in this case, technology enabled. In that case, it was too early, but, you know, it's not technology enabled. It isn't beautifully designed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why, why does it have to be that way? And there are sort of the beginnings of it now, but still, you know, and, and so I started something a long time ago. And then I put it away when I met Blake Mykowski from Palms and I started working on a number of other projects, but it was always in my head um, as something that I wish that I had found the time to do. Um, and we had written a business plan for it and everything. And I just sort of put it aside. And I ran into a friend of mine uh, through my partner, actually, at Membrane, who's also a friend of mine from elementary school. And we it turned out he had the same idea. So we just decided to join forces and see if we could bring those sort of components together to market. Um, and to do, you know, sort of really create an opportunity for that. And so, and what's come from that is really this need to really first understand, you know, what it is that's the driver and things are changing, which is great because it's going to be sensors in your home. I mean, I think everybody wants to stay Mm. in their home as long as they can in a productive way. And there's also a tremendous amount of things that people can do to prevent the situations that happen 
that mm-hmm. then force people to leave where they are, go to assisted living, get help. And so prevention is something that is a huge part of this because if you adopt principles of safety and and and, and utilize sort of ideas and and keep yourself moving really throughout your life, if you are mobile and you have mobility, you will be in a better position. So if you start to do those things when it's, when you're 70 something, it's much more difficult as it is to make any kind of lifestyle change. So the idea of thinking about these things earlier, sooner as opposed to later, even if you don't need them or because you need them for your parents or because of any of those reasons will only help you sort of, you know, age, age with more mobility, which will give you so many more um, opportunities in life. I'll give you an example of something that's really simple, but, and then I'll, I'll, I don't talk about it too much more, but uh, there was um, a woman in Greece and she lived on an island and she was, uh, you know, one of the Greek islands and she was very senior and she was very healthy and very active. And they started with her and then they did this study where they realized that as you, as you age in the United States, let's say you're looking after your parents and you go over there and you try to make everything great for them, right? You try to make the, the phone is near them in case of emergency, the TV remote control is near them, the food and everything is near them, the book, anything they want, so they don't have to move around too much. That's actually the opposite. If you read the Blue Zones, you'd know that it'd be the same thing. This woman in, 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 in Greece, everything was far enough away that she had to walk, which was the plan. Mm. And in order for her to get up and do that, she was able to stay mobile. And it can be simple things like that. But it's about understanding that, like, while you're, you know, obviously if somebody's injured, it's a different story. But I'm just saying, in thinking through how to make their lives better, it has a lot to do with understanding what will actually um, add to their lives. Right, so, right, that absolutely. Was, yeah. I, I, I my, really my dad, that, so. my, um, I was going to add, my dad is uh, legally blind and was formerly a soccer player and, and will not, you know, take anything out onto the street. So, uh, we will have to circle back on this topic. Well, we yeah, are almost definitely. out of t- we're almost out of time, but I want to ask you one quick question uh, for fun. So, are you ready? Sure. Okay. Sure. If you could wa- if you could wave a magic wand, what one thing that drives you crazy do you wish someone would find a solution for that would help your productivity and sanity in one minute or less? <laughs> Oh, God, I think about that every day. Uh, I would say <laughs> some better way of organizing your email and then uh, and then having it sort itself into some way that you could wouldn't waste all of your time looking for the one that you can't find about some information, even when you have a great filing system. <laughs> I am so uh, with you. We have to join forces and develop this because it's my biggest pet peeve really, as well. For sure. Absolutely. I keep hoping for it. I keep thinking, my life is too short to be searching for this thing. I I just (laughs) created a file arc, a new file hierarchy thing. We'll see how it goes. And I just created a new way of dropping ideas and to-dos and everything into like a form that populates. This is sort of obvious for everything else. But I've tried everything else under the sun, and that is actually working for me. So I'm hoping that between the two, it'll uh, be All right. Well, that's a good one. I love it. (laughs) Well, Liz, thank you so much for being on the show today. Your insights were really so great. And I loved your story and so inspiring your family and the work that you've done. So if our listeners would like to learn a little bit more about you, your company, what you're working on, is there a website that you want to direct them to? Well, that's sort of like that same thing. It's like the cobbler's children. 
Uh, we are in the process of redoing our website, so it's membraneofc.com. I think it's the actual right website. I've looked on so long. Uh, but, I mean, people could email me. I'm Just maybe put something in the subject line so I that will. I don't miss okay. it. I think with all the politics stuff, it's crazy. Um, yeah. So it's Liz at membraneolc.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm Messenger. My Twitter's broken. So that's being fixed this week. <laughs> but that, that's so pretty much that. I would say that that's the idea. We're, we haven't launched anything on Highly Mobile yet, but there are lots of other companies and projects, and I'm insanely curious. So I love to talk, and especially to support women uh, and entrepreneurs in particular, too. Great, great. So. Well, thank you again. Tune in next week for more Startup Hacks. We have another great show you won't want to miss on the secret female founder strategies that can save you time and money when building your business. This podcast is brought to you by Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio and digital do-it-yourself startup platform for women. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit womenentrepreneurs.global. I'm your host, Fernanda Carapina. See you next week.